have this crazy commitment. I'm going to work. I'm going to go to the office every day for a thousand days with no days off. And I'm not exaggerating here. I'm not promoting hustle culture. This was just an experiment I ran with myself. And I, for a thousand consecutive days, I went to the office and I worked. And my, my, my rule was at least four hours a day. So even on Saturdays or Sundays, I was going in for at least four hours. And what I found was... Good day, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to From Stress to Success, where we begin to unpack what it truly means to be successful and understand all the roadblocks that can get in the way from where you think you should be. As always, I'm your host, Freeman Beals, entrepreneur and stress management coach. Now, I don't often say this, but I mean it when I say that this is an episode you should have a notebook for, or at least listen to twice. It's really important. There's a ton of stuff packed in here. We're going to talk about how important it is to just do one thing every day to move towards your goal. Talk about should you really work a thousand days in a row and why you should pay attention to the habits that you're doing or more importantly, not doing when you're feeling a certain way. How that all these roadblocks don't necessarily go away, but you just get better at dealing with them the impact that a single pallet can make, why it's so important that you need to start, even if it's with just a Google search. As always, guys, let's get started and learn how to conquer stress and achieve lasting success. Mitch Jacobson, CEO of Revita, the T, which is this is really interesting. The world's first energy tea in a low carbon pouch. And we're going to talk about that a lot. And I've actually had some and it's incredible. You're in the, um, the made in Alberta awards right now. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. And I encourage people listening to, to go check out the tea, go vote for it. You've got this fascinating story about how the tea came about, why it exists, what it's for. You're also a fellow Calgarian. So we kind of connect on that level and you're an actor part of the startup community. I noticed that you're doing lots of speeches and stuff like that. So I'm just really excited for you to join us here today, Mitch, and kind of tell us a bit of your story. So thanks for coming, man. Freeman, thank you so much for having me, man. It's such an honor. You know, even the title of your, your podcast, From Stress to Success, that sums it all up, man, because <laughs> I got gray hairs in my ponies for a reason. So I'm excited to be very transparent today and have a great conversation. Man, I love it. That's amazing. I want to start in a weird spot. I want to start where you are now and then and then we'll work backwards maybe. But like where is Revita right now? Like what's it look like? Yeah, you betcha. So we're a team of six right now. We're a natural energy drink. We're carried in about a thousand stores all across Canada. Like you mentioned, we're in this cool low carbon footprint patent pending pouch actually that we custom designed here in Calgary. We have our own manufacturing line here in Calgary, which is kind of the latest development for us. We built it from the ground up. We have a filling machine that's never been in Canada before, which is crazy to me because I had no intentions of getting into the manufacturing business. I always wanted to use a third party to do that, but we kind of got forced in that direction. So yeah, it's it's been this crazy wild ride. We're about almost four years into the journey. We got a long way to go. Right now, the big focus for us is, is starting to raise capital so we can take our business to the next level. Mm. And just yeah, so grateful to be where we are right now. Yeah, that's incredible. And it's an interesting story. And, and I'm really excited to dive into 
a lot of it. I do want to really quickly, actually, because this, this sparked in my brain. The pouch is patent pending. It's it's low carbon. Why why the pouch? Yeah, great question, Freeman. So I did a bit of a 180 with my career. I'll start there. I'm a petroleum engineer by trade. And now I sell tea in a pouch. So it's all <laughs> my career switch, hey? And there's not a lot that carries over from petroleum engineering to energy food. But I had some background in sustainability. I was a water engineer, actually. So when I worked in oil and gas, my job was to find innovative ways to recycle more water for oil and gas companies. Really cool role. And so I had a bit of a background in looking at environmental data. And so when we were originally choosing our packaging, I, of course, like most beverage brands, was just going to be in a can or a bottle, right? But I started doing this deep dive of going into the data. What is the lowest carbon footprint? You know, not just in terms of recyclability and everything, but in terms of the whole life cycle of the product, the way it's manufactured, transported, et cetera. So this is a long-winded answer to your question, but when I looked at the data, what I couldn't believe is why more companies weren't using the flexible pouch. It just mm. had the lowest greenhouse gas emissions, the lowest water usage. You can imagine when this is empty, it's shipped flat, right? So it doesn't take up very much space. Imagine an empty aluminum can, how much space that takes up in the supply chain, right? Or in the yeah. transportation cycle. If they're usually getting shipped from overseas or the Southern US, like what's the carbon footprint of that? So I kept coming back to this flexible beverage pouch, but no one was you know, using a spouted pouch like this. So we had to custom design it. I actually used freezer paper and a curling iron welding it together in my kitchen. That's how we originally that's how you built the first one. That's how we built the first one. Yeah. I got a curl iron from Sephora and bought some freezer paper and I weld it together and fill it with water and it would burst in about 30 seconds. So <laughs> <laughs> you only had a 30 second window to figure out if it was the right size or not. So yeah, that's a really long winded way to say that we chose this pouch because when we looked at the environmental data, the, the footprint of it and just the, the, the little amount of space that it takes up in the supply chain just gives it such a great overall carbon footprint and it's recyclable. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool that you started it from like this idea of it's going to be better for the environment. And that was like the core principle. Yeah. I'm curious what it's done, like in the form of like marketing though. Now, like, is it helped that? Cause now it oh. seems to stand out. I noticed, I, I noticed it on the shelf. Totally, man. Yeah. And that's been sort of the somewhat unintentional benefit of this packaging is it really stands out, right? When you walk down the energy drink aisle in a store, what do you see? Whole bunch of bright colored cans, maybe the odd plastic bottle. Then you see this pouch, right? (laughs) People are like, what is that? I got to check it out. So it's really, I think so much of our success in retail has been driven by the fact that our packaging is so unique, right? Mm. People see it in a store and they're like, that's different. Let's check that out. And you know, once someone's picked up your packaging and has taken a look at it, that's like three quarters of the battle. So yeah, to your point, it's been, not only has it been, you know, a win for the environment, but it's been a tremendous marketing tool for us. Which really goes to show that like, and you've probably heard this a lot in the startup world as well, where it's like solve a problem first. And then oftentimes, you know, you get this benefit off the back end of it, which is, that sounds like that's exactly what it was. Yeah, that's my definition of entrepreneurship is solving problems, right? You're a professional problem solver. And that was, you know, we wanted to solve this environmental problem. And it's turned out to be, you know, our greatest marketing asset by a long shot. That's so good. It's, it's that lovely concept of like, it's so hard to connect a dot looking forward, right? And you're like, whoa, this has been amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned, actually, let's go, let's go to the 
to the kitchen table because <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> that curling iron freezer package kitchen table like you've also posted a lot on socials about how a lot of this started at the kitchen table and like now you've got a, a factory and a production line but what was you know where was Revita like three years ago yeah years ago. for sure for even so i guess just to kind of give you the the origin story and how we got started like how did i transition from being a petroleum engineer yeah selling tea and pouches right so when i was uh, in my early 20s my best friend at the time he's working on the oil rigs up in northern alberta loved energy drinks probably too much right mm-hmm. i'm out with him one night and he's had i don't know i lost count how many he had and i'll never forget this look on his face man he, he went completely pale had this horrified look on his face clutches the left side of his chest just about passes out i rush him to the hospital and the doctor walks in and says hey your friend 20 years old we think he's had a heart attack that was probably wow. attributed to these energy drinks right now it's a happy ending wow. of the story he's made a full recovery it's totally okay now beautiful family but that was the light bulb moment right and that stuck with me for a long time so fast forward five years from that day I'm well into my career and I'm an energy drink addict, right? It's come full circle. I'm like three by lunchtime. I'm one of those guys. Whoa. And I had this epiphany moment out in the field one day where I'm like, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, right? I've always wanted to work for myself, do something great with my life. I love my job, but I don't feel like this is what I'm destined to do. Hmm. But I made every excuse in the book as to why I couldn't start my business, right? Don't have the money, don't have the connections, don't have a good enough idea, you know? And I kept looking, thinking back to that night with my friend, this is a problem I could solve. Why is there no healthy energy drinks, right? Mm. But how in the world do you start an energy drink company? Like I was so overwhelmed by just the thought of that. Like what would even be step one? So step one for me was literally Googling, how do I start a beverage company? And then to get back to your question, after that Google search, I started messing around in my kitchen. I'd like smash caffeine pills together and brew tea and mix it all together. Had no idea what I was doing, right? But I just made this one simple commitment. I said, I'm going to do one thing a day that's going to move me towards this goal. And mm. I didn't make a lot of progress at first, but it was insane how over the course of you know two and a half years when we're doing R&D, that one thing a day compounded into something you know pretty extraordinary for my life. So yeah. that's really how I got started with a Google search and mashing caffeine pills together in my kitchen. That's where all of this started. Incredible. When you think of people who like start, you know, really powerful energy companies, I mean, Dwayne Johnson just started, Neil Zola, he had this huge platform and you're like, no, I'm gonna start in my kitchen, like one thing a day. And you mentioned one thing a day. What was that? Cause I'm a huge proponent of this whole 1% better, right? Like just do that small thing, slow, slowly become better. What was that one thing? for you? Yeah, for me, it was just one thing that was going to move the needle forward. And mm. you know, some days I was so overwhelmed with taking on this big project, right? It would, you know, literally be, I'm going to read five or 10 pages of this book I bought on how to start a beverage company, right? <laughs> but, but you know what, after those 10 pages, I was, yeah, 0.0001% closer to the, to the yeah. goal, right? And everyone talks about compound interest, the most powerful force in the world, right? You can't go on LinkedIn or YouTube these days without seeing some ad about that. But no one, everyone talks about it in the con, in the context of money. But what about in the context of something that's going to move you towards your goals, right? It's that little slight edge stuff. Great book, by the way. Doing those those little things every day, they don't seem like they're doing every, doing anything in the short term. But in the long term, they compound, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like looking after your health too, right? 
you eat a McDonald's cheeseburger today, you're not probably going to notice any adverse health effects, but you do that for three years, you're going to have some problems probably, yeah. right? Same thing with working out. You're not going to notice a difference going to the gym for two weeks probably, but you do mm. that over the course of a year, two years, three years, you're going to look like a completely different person. I think it's the same with business, right? If you want to start a business, it's not as overwhelming as you think. Start with a Google search, spend 20 minutes a day researching the business you want to start, and then just start taking little action steps. It took me two and a half years to go from an idea to actually launching the product. So it took a long time, but it was crazy to me how those little efforts just began to compound over time. And, you know, look where we are today. It all started with that Google search. That's crazy. And it's, I love that you were like, it took me two and a half years because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to do a Google search. I'm going to read two books and then I'm going to launch a product. And in like, you know, in six months, we're going to be profitable and it's going to be great. Was there ever a point in that two and a half years where you began to be like, is this going to happen? Like, is this going to be a thing? Yeah. Oh, all the time, man. I think even now I still struggle with that. <laughs> you, know, you and I were talking about on the podcast. I can't watch a YouTube video without some 16 year old kid with a rented Lamborghini telling me how in three months I could be a millionaire if I buy his course for $997, right? Yeah. I think we're so inundated nowadays with these snake oil salespeople, right? That are selling us this crazy dream that isn't reality. Anyone that I know that has achieved extreme levels of success, like I got to meet Arlene Dickinson this week, one of, you know, a hero of mine. She yeah. said right in her, her talk this week, how hard it's been. She didn't even start till she was, I think, 31 or 32 years old. It took a long wow. time, a lot of adversity. So I think the message that we really need to get out there, especially to younger new entrepreneurs or anyone that you know wants to make a change in their life, it's not gonna happen in one month or three months, probably not even gonna happen in a year. This is a process, right? And don't get frustrated when you're not where you wanna be and you've only been doing it for three months. So yes, mm -hmm. there was tons of times where I'd get super frustrated in that two and a half years, but then I'd go back to some people that I knew that have achieved a level of success that I really admired and their message was the same. This is the, it's a long game, right? It's not going to happen in three months. Don't listen to the YouTube ads. You got to put in the time and put in the work and the reward at the end is, is so much better than if you just got it in two weeks. Yeah. We're so driven to that, like immediate gratification, right? That comes yeah. out of, yeah. Out of seeing the person on YouTube and you're like, those are the things I want. They're doing the stuff that I want. You know, how do I get it? How do I get it tomorrow? Right. Where it is, you've nailed it there. It's, it's the long game with that though. The long game can be challenging because it's hard to like sustain, right? Like how do you sustain that level of like that grind and that hard work ethic, like for yourself and your team, like what is maybe some things that really keep you guys focused on the fact that it is a long game and that it's not a tomorrow thing. Yeah, that's a that's a really great question, Freeman. I think I'm still figuring that out. What I do yeah. know is you have to have a deep rooted purpose, right? As to why you're doing something, you know. Mm -hmm. For me, like when I'm, we have a folder in our shared drive at the office here called "When You're Having a Bad Day," and it's all the customer messages that we've received from people that have said things, you know, how our product has really helped them. So like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had one of my darkest days, probably my darkest day in business. I go into that folder and I look at, you know, a message we got from someone who was in the hospital dealing with cancer. And they said, Revita was the only thing that helped them feel better, right? It was one of the few things that gave them a bit of an energy boost. So when you're playing that long game and you're tempted to quit or give up or say this isn't worth it, you got to think about why did you get into this in the first place? 
place, right? Is it for your kids, right? Think about the customers you're serving. Think about what your life could look like if you don't quit, if you do persevere, mm. right? So, you know, when you're going through those really hard days, those are some of the strategies that I've used to help keep me motivated and push me through those dark periods. Because, yeah, there's been definitely many of them on this road. Yeah, it, it can be it can be a, a struggle for sure. We talked earlier and you mentioned that you probably still put in, you know, like 12 hour days and you're working a lot. That's an extreme level of work, work ethic that I think many people might not have for you. Like, where did that come from? Yeah, good. I've thought about that a lot. You know, I think <laughs> a lot of it's deep rooted in, in my athletic background. You know, I grew up playing sports and from, you know, the moment I stepped on a basketball court, you know, what did coaches tell you? If you want to be good at this game, you got to be the first to practice. You got to be the last to leave. You know, you got to work harder than anyone else. And I remember when I first started playing basketball, I was terrible. I was, you know, like big, uncoordinated. And I started putting in the work, like just practicing in my driveway, right? And then to show up at practice and start to beat, you know, opponents or even my teammates, just, and the only thing I did different was I just put a little bit of extra work outside of, of the games. And I think that was such an addicting feeling to me that that's driven me for the rest of my life. I love mm. knowing that I can go up against someone that's more talented than me, someone that has more resources than me, someone that comes from a richer, you know, rich family or has all of these advantages. And if I just outwork them, I'll probably beat them. That's such yeah. an addicting feeling to me. And I think experiencing that and, and knowing that if you just put in the work, it's extraordinary what you can accomplish, no matter where you come from. So I think a lot of my work ethic is really deep rooted in that is this addicting feeling of knowing that you can accomplish so much when you just commit yourself to something. There's a lot of people that say that, right? That they're like, you got to be committed. You got to work hard, you know, put it all in the, the flip side of that, of course, is that it can be challenging to not hit that level of like burnout or can like, how do you know your limits? Right. So for yourself, because you said you were, you were in athletics and now you've been, you've been running this company for four years and you're quite yeah. dedicated. How then when you've, you know, you've worked a long week or something like that, like how do you end up not getting to the point? Cause you wouldn't be able to do it for four years if you weren't doing something sustainable to, to make sure, it happen. Yeah. So how do you, how do you prevent that? I, I love talking about this. Uh, I'm a, this is a topic I'm very passionate about. I don't get to speak about it a lot. So thanks for you, man. You know, I've done a lot of experiments with myself personally with this. So when I first started and like quit my job, started Revita, there's a guy that I listen to a lot. You might know him, Andy Frisella, has a great entrepreneurial podcast. And when I right when I quit my job, he released a podcast said a thousand days. Commit yourself to something for the next thousand days and just see how different your life is gonna be, right? And maybe I wasn't supposed to take that literally, but I did. I'm like, I, I, made a, I have this crazy commitment. I'm going to work. I'm going to go to the office every day for a thousand days with no days off. And I'm not exaggerating. Wow. Not promoting hustle culture. This was just an experiment I ran with myself. And I, for a thousand consecutive days, I went to the office and I worked. And my, my, my rule was at least four hours a day. So even on Saturdays or Sundays, I was going in for at least four hours. And what I found was... There was a lot of ebbs and flows. I would go through a month or a two month period where I felt amazing. And then I would hit that burnout feeling. I think that a lot of people experience, but what was interesting is that would only last for like four five, six days. And if I pushed through it, I'd get another, almost like a runner's high or something where it could mm. go another three, four five weeks. 
And so what I learned from that is, is burnout a real thing? Yes, it is. But I think when most people are experiencing what they consider burnout, you're only at 30% of your capacity or 40% of your capacity. You have so much left in the tank, right? That's what I learned from that experience. And now I'm not doing that anymore. I'm taking more time for myself and trying to take some days when I can. But I worked a thousand consecutive days in a row, went going into the office every single day and executing. You know, we went from zero in revenue to just about a million in annual revenue, built our own manufacturing line. It was a crazy experience. And did I experience burnout? Certainly I did. But I don't think, I think the average person and myself included, you are capable of so much more than you think, right? When you really look after yourself, when you look after your diet, when you look after your sleep, when you get to the gym and take care of yourself, you can work a lot longer and harder than you probably think you can, was what I learned from from running these experiments just with my own personal life. <laughs> I love how you called it an experiment. You're like, I'm going to experiment for a thousand days. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's so good. You touched on a couple things. Um, I want to start with first that you said in there that sometimes you would only go for four hours. So how important was that kind of not having to give it at all every day, but more of the show up that was the important. Yeah. Like, did you notice any difference on those, those four hour days? Totally, man. Like, so kind of my routine was Monday to Friday. It was full throttle, right? Like that's when the staff's in the office. Saturday was typically like, you know, two thirds of a day, you know, 10 to six kind of thing. And then Sunday I'd try to just come in for, you know, that four hours in the afternoon. And yeah, even just mm -hmm. having like one out, you know, one evening family, you know, supper with my family, like that's enough to kind of get me reset and ready to go for the next week. So I think, yeah, taking those little, you know, David Goggins, another guy I'm, I'm a huge fan of, man. He talks about mental check stops or pit stops. I think he says. Mm -hmm where even something as simple for him is just, you know, driving somewhere that's 30 minutes where he doesn't have to think about anything. That's a little rest stop for him, right. To recover. And I think when you're really pushing towards any kind of goal, that's very demanding. You have to find those mental rest stops for yourself, right? Could be your 45 minute workout in the morning. That's been a big thing for me. Could be that 40 minute or that two hour family dinner on Sunday night. Right. Those are the little things I think you can really use to recharge yourself and refresh yourself and, you know, help, keep pushing yourself to that next level. Yeah. And like recognizing what's working in those, those bits, right. Like, no, like a podcast for half an hour on my, on my drive to work really helps kind of get down. Yeah. Or for some people, maybe it's, maybe it's listening to loud, you know, death metal for half an hour. Like if that's the thing that gives you that mental, that mental check stop, then I think it's, it's about identifying that. Right. Completely agree. Freeman. Yeah. Figure, figure out what, you know, kind of gives you a mental reset, a mental break and start yeah. incorporating that into your routine. Yeah, we've touched on fitness a little bit here too. And I'm a big proponent of this kind of having the energy, right, to keep going. Yeah. How important has fitness been? Because you said even there that you do uh, work out sometimes in the morning for like 45 minutes. How important has fitness been kind of for you to keep this level of drive and passion and go, go, go? For sure, man. You know, a lot of that came from that thousand day experiment, man, because like I went through so many ebbs and flows and. I went through a lot of really dark times and I'm not advocating anyone try this. This was just the <laughs> myself. Quick disclaimer. Oh, yeah. Quick disclaimer. I'm not recommending this. This was just something, some swift and masochistic <laughs> thing that I tried. But you know, when I, when I looked, when I sat down at the end of that and I looked at, okay, what were the periods where I felt really good? You know, I felt productive. I felt spiritually connected. I felt, you know, 
really happy with myself and how things were going, what was I doing? And then when I was in a really dark time or like a depression, didn't feel good about myself, what was I doing then or not doing was probably the better thing. When I felt great, I was eating well, I was working out, I was prioritizing my sleep. And then in the times where I was depressed, wasn't feeling good, it was really going through really dark times, I wasn't working out consistently, my diet was all over the place, I was eating at you know fast food restaurants, 10.30 p.m. on my way home from the office, that type of stuff. And I really took a good look at that and I'm like, okay, if I'm gonna sustain this for the long road and not really burn myself out or deal with all of you know health problems from pushing this hard, what can I do that's going to make this more sustainable? Number one thing is working out every day. So now, you know, it's a non-negotiable for me. It's part of my morning routine. I wake up, I go to the gym. It's just what I do. And the reframe for me from that was, it's not what I get from working out. It's what I get rid of. I get rid of the stress. I get rid of the negative mm. thoughts. I get rid of the frustration. And I prepare myself to be the best version of myself for my team, right? When I reframed it like that, I don't dread going to the gym anymore because I know how much better I'm going to feel. So yeah, going to the gym, prioritizing your sleep, and then prioritizing time with the people that you love. For So for me, it's my family, my girlfriend, you know, my business partners, like finding time for those people in your life and making sure that even if it's just an hour or two, you know, a week extra that you're, you're giving to them, those are the little things that are going to help make your journey more sustainable. It's incredible that you mentioned that it was in those moments when you were like, what was I not doing? Yes. Because that's really hard to look at. Because a lot of the time we look at like, oh, you know, when I sleep better, I am more productive that day. But then it's like, oh, when I'm why am I feeling productive and let's work backwards to, to figure that out. You had like a thousand days of, of looking at that sort of data almost in a way, let's yes. call it. How did you like compartmentalize that? Or how did you kind of rationalize through that data? Was it sort of, was it something that you kind of had like a strict did you journal off of it or how did that come about? Like, how did you look at it all? Yeah, great question. I mean, most of it was, was pretty anecdotal. I did some journaling, not consistently. And, you know, it's funny because I just kept it in a word document and I can scroll back and I can tell, okay, that was a good period of time. This was like a very <laughs> dark period of time. I'm like reading my entries. I'm like, holy man, I must've really been deep into the abyss then. And I, you know, a lot of it was just, you know, like at the end of the summer, I came through like a really frustrating, hard time. I felt like everything was going wrong. And, and uh, I was just looking back at the last couple of months and I'm like, hey, you know, what did my days look like? Well, I was getting up, you know, I was reactive. I was just getting up and going to the office, right? If I was working out, it was like last thing at night when I didn't have any energy, wasn't doing my reading, like reading is a big part of my routine. So a lot of it was just anecdotally looking at, okay, this was a dark period for me what was different than like the two months before that where i felt on top of the world did some things go wrong sure but there's been other times where a lot of things have gone wrong and i've been able to you know keep more be a little bit more stable mentally i think for lack of a better better words so mm -hmm. yeah it was a lot of just evaluating okay what made me feel great what are the little things i do every day that help elevate me to a different level and then when i'm not feeling good what's missing and yeah. yeah, for me, it was really those, those big things. Sleep is a huge one, which I've never been a good sleeper. I haven't really prioritized it until recently, but I think that's a huge part of the equation. Working out's of course, huge. And then I think reading, like reading a self-development book every day or putting something like you mentioned, Freeman, you know, watch, listening to a podcast like this podcast or, you know, something educational that's going to make you better. 
it's that little compound effect too, right? When you're mm -hmm. not doing that, like you're not getting better, you're not feeling good about yourself. Those little details make such an incredible difference, I think. Yeah, they really, they really do. They help you kind of deal with the inevitable sort of onslaught of bad that might happen, right? Which you're probably well aware of. Well, I know you're well aware of because I've seen it on your socials that you kind of, you have these hiccups and these hangups and these roadblocks. What were some of the biggest ones that hit while you were doing in your, you know, four years of doing this? Like, what are some things where you're like, how the hell are we ever going to move past this? Yeah, man. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I got a lot of them, but it was pretty much right <laughs> out of the gate, man. I, you know, I quit my job at Tormoin within the first month. I'm giving a, you know, a eulogy. So I lost someone, you know, very close to me. Wow. My girlfriend at the time uh, left, like we're talking just like right out of the gate, man. I got punched in the face. And then, you know, a month after I quit my job, this January, 2020 COVID hits, we lose like half of our retailers. Like I'm dealing already with all these personal challenges. And then like COVID completely disrupts the business landscape. So that's like day one, right? Then a year in, you know, we start having tons of manufacturing problems. I'm like shorting purchase orders because I can't get enough product from third party manufacturers. You know, from there, we get into a situation where we're either going to go out of business or we have to build our own manufacturing line because just nobody can help us get to the next level. I have no idea how to build a manufacturing line. <laughs> I had to start that completely from scratch. Ran the project like four, like $400,000 over budget because everything you could imagine that went wrong could have went wrong. My father, who was helping me manage the project, came and helped me, you know, a few days a week. I left the pallet out one day. He tripped over the pallet and broke both his arms. That's all. Both of them? Both of them. He's ripping around <laughs> the office in an electric wheelchair. Yeah, helping me with this this project. So, you know, you want to talk about a bad day, you know, seeing my father get taken out to the hospital, man, and like sitting in my office that evening. Like I left that pallet out, man. He was just there helping me. And like having to deal with the, you know, the guilt and the frustration and the despair of the project running over budget and like all these things that went, have went wrong. And, you know, the defective, we've had defective, you know, packaging before that's just, it's been one adversity after one adversity after one adversity. And you, you have to find a way to persevere, right? This is most really successful entrepreneurs that, I've spoken with, you know, even Arlene, like Arlene Dickinson from Dragon's Den, I got a chance to hear speak this week. She talked about how hard it was, right? This journey to success and getting to the next level and elevating yourself to the best possible version of yourself, it's not supposed to be easy, right? All of the most incredible people I've met have a million war stories like this, right? And I'm really passionate about sharing, sharing some of the struggles that I've had and helping new entrepreneurs understand that this isn't supposed to be easy, right? This isn't like the 16 year old rented Lamborghini kid on YouTube says it is, right? This is, if you're gonna become your best version of you, expect it to be challenging because that's the only way you're gonna grow. Yeah, and you do a really great job. I mean, I wanna give you you know, a shout out just in the fact that you do share that stuff on on your socials and you're like hey here's what i've learned like you know don't do this like learn from me and from the mistakes i've made <laughs> um because i mean a lot of them are sort of avoidable i guess but at the same point in time i know i just saw a video with alex harmozzi the other day and he was like everything has a price yes. like, success has a price and you have to sort of pay that price like there's no two ways about it whether it's working long hours, whether it's making a ton of mistakes, like there is a price that is has that has to be paid. 
totally and i I love alex's stuff too right and his story is crazy like he was pretty much bankrupt like girlfriend i think just about left him too yeah like yeah had no money at christmas one year or something i remember hearing and like look what he's accomplished now so you know all of these guys when you really get their full story like they've went through tremendous adversity like perseverance is it's just part of the game you have to have Mm -hmm. that and when you're going through a dark time just keep going it's gonna get better yeah i have this interesting notion that i try to remind myself of when those kind of inevitable walls come up and you're like, man, why is this being so difficult? Like it shouldn't be this hard. And it's the fact that it's like, that's just, that's the cost of it. It's kind of like the, whether you want to call it the universe, whatever, but it's like, it's proving how bad you want the thing. Yes. It's like, it's like a check. It's like Like a test. How bad you actually want this. Exactly. Right. If you want this bad enough, you'll go through with this. This is the test. This is the test. That can often help. That's a brilliant insight for him. And yeah. I agree. I think, you know, all of these little adversities, you're right. They're a test. Like how bad do you really want this? Right? Yeah. If you really want it that bad. You won't quit. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've been there many times. Like <laughs> we've had our production line just two weeks ago. Like we are, you know, we had a filling machine that we waited. A, it was over a year delayed. So we had to use this little semi-automatic filler in the meantime to keep us going. So we had to manually insert every pouch and every cap into the machine. So we ran 300,000 pouches like that by hand just to keep the business afloat. Finally, get wow. as you know, it's been three months of it not working right. Get back from a trade show two weeks ago and it's completely down. Like the line's still down. Had to get a new computer shipped in from Europe, like $15,000 expense I wasn't expecting. And I had this exact same moment you just talked about, man, where I'm like sitting in my office at midnight, like, what am I doing? This is a disaster. Are we going to make it through this? No, this is the universe asking me, how bad do I really want this? Mm let's persevere through things are going to get better. It's interesting because it, you've, you've kind of just shown that it, there isn't, it doesn't stop. The roadblocks don't just disappear one day. No, they're going to keep like, and they almost happen like at a bigger magnitude because now you've got, there's more on the table. Totally, man. Yeah. And you have more responsibilities. You don't, it doesn't get easier. You get better. That's the way I yes. like to, to put it. Right. And yep. my, my father, you know, my hero, like he's uh he's an entrepreneur too. He's grown his company now to over 150 employees. And like the stuff he deals with in a week, like would break me, but I just watch him deal with it with so much grace, right? Like all the challenges and employee challenges and, and what have you. Right. And I just, I see him and I'm like, that gives me hope because how much better can I be? Right. Mm. He's dealing with stuff that would break me right now. And to him, it's just like another day. Right. So I think you're right. It doesn't get easier. You're just going to get better and you're going to grow and you're going to really develop and become closer and closer to what your true potential could be. That's one of my favorite ways of framing it. I'm so glad you put it like that because a lot of the times people are like, oh, it gets easier. And it's like, no, it doesn't. Like, that's, <laughs> no, that's, that's false. Yeah. What happens is you get better. And you that's a super better. important thing I think people need to remember for super sure. Super important thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't expect the employee challenges to just go away. Don't expect your equipment to always work right or like to never have a customer issue. Yeah. Like, if anything, you're just going to get more problems like that. You just learn how to manage your, yourself better, manage your stress mm. better and get better at solving those problems, right? And you don't let them emotionally impact you as much as they did say, you know, three, four years ago, right? Yeah, and part of that is kind of getting those reps in, right? And moving through those things and going, no, no, I've, I've tackled X, Y, and Z thing before. All I gotta do is shift that a little bit yeah. and we can tackle this thing. Do A, B, and C and we're gonna solve the problem, yeah. exactly. Yeah. With this kind of 
idea that it doesn't get easier. I think it's really important that there is sort of a structure that you use to help you get through things. And there are, I'm a big proponent of daily practices. Yes. So one of the things that I like to ask my guests um, as we start to kind of close in here is like, what are three things that you do on the daily that help you get past those roadblocks and make sure that your mindset's strong, that you're physically strong. Like what are some things that you do, like the top three that you try to do every day? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think we kind of touched on it a little bit. So for me, it starts first thing in the morning because I'm one of those people where it's hard to get out of bed, man. A lot of times I wake up and immediately I'm thinking about all the issues I got to deal with today, all the things that have went wrong. So I think that morning routine and like really setting your mind straight for the day is so important, especially when you're an entrepreneur. Because I always say, if you're the leader of a company, you don't get to have a bad day, right? You show up and you're miserable or your anxiety shows too much, like that's going to carry down to your employees. It's going to affect the people that work for you and work with you so much more than you think. So for me, it starts first thing. So one of the things I've I've been doing currently is the first thing I do, I I drink a glass of water, I get right in a cold shower, man. And it sucks. Every morning, I don't want to do it. But like, you feel so good after and you've just started your day with doing something you didn't want to do. And even though that's just something small, I find that that carries forward to everything else you do for the rest of the day. You're training your brain to do the things that is good for you, but you don't want to do. So that's step one. Step two is that workout, like we already talked about, man. I think if, if you're in a position of leadership, like this is so important. You, you have to have an escape for your stress. It could be as simple as going for a walk in the morning. I like to lift weights. Do something for 30 minutes in the morning that's getting your body moving. Right? That's going to prepare you for the day. And then the third thing is, I think, you know, doing something that's going to make you grow. That 1%, like you talked about, Freeman. Listen to a podcast or read a personal development book at some point in the day. I think if you just do those three things, you know, those are the three things I do. And when I focus on that, I feel way better. I feel more prepared. I feel like I can handle stress better. So those are the, you know, the three big things that I really try and focus on day in and day out. Those are great. The drink a cold glass of water and have a cold shower. Something that I certainly struggle with and I fall on and off the bat, the bandwagon of that cold shower in the morning. Me too, man. Yeah. I can't do it. It so, <laughs> sucks so bad. I want to eventually oh. get into cold plunging, but it's a cold shower yeah. for now. Yeah. yeah, I'm the same way right now. But it is, it's incredible how much better you feel afterwards though. Oh, like, I remember goodness. the first time I did it, I was like, this is, this is crazy. You're so like, alert. Like it's just yeah. Your mindset shifts immediately. There is definitely something yep. to that. Yeah. 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 So cold. I'm a big proponent of cold water right in the in the in the, in the morning as well. Um, yeah. And then the the workout huge. Right. Get that. Get your body moving. Get that cortisol burned off. Like, let your body focus. And then the the growth thing is is big. Right. Like, just push a little bit out of your comfort zone. Right. Get into what they call like the stretch zone, where exactly. you you grow a little bit each day. Work That's three things. Super powerful. For myself, I'm my morning's huge. Yeah. I I've moved my coffee until after my workout. Good for you. So first thing in the morning is workout, and so I'm usually like an hour and a half until I have my coffee. Yes. So that's important. The reading, which we touched on briefly, yeah. I ha- like I usually spend minimum of half an hour reading in the morning. Good for you. Uh, and then the third thing, this is my biggest thing, is in the evening. I'm really big on my bookends of the day. Yes. The evening, I journal and I journal every night. And my journal is pretty structured now. It took a while to get here, but it's the three things that went well, the three things that I've learned, three things that I'm grateful for, and three things that I plan to do the next day. I love that. 
I should yeah. start doing that, man. <laughs> it's <laughs> insanely powerful. It's probably one of the, when I tell people, cause I get asked a lot people like Freeman, what's like, what's the one thing that I can do to help me like, you know, control my stress a little bit more. And by and far, if there was one silver bullet, so to speak, yes. it's the three positive things every day. Every day. Because it begins yeah. to train your brain to recognize those throughout the day and like strengthens the neural pathway in your brain that recognizes positivity. Yes. Right? And then you end every day by just looking back at the day, reflecting and picking out good. Because it's so easy to go to bed and be like, oh God, today was so hard. Like my machines are broken. My employee was sick, right? <laughs> but if you're like, no, but like I had a good workout and you know, we're making strides on a new product, right? Like it sets your mindset up so much better for, I, for the next day. I could not agree more with that. I think gratitude yeah. is, is something I need to do a better job at. It's so important. Mm. And when you get into the science of it too, and the law of attraction and all that stuff I used to think was woo woo. Now I'm doing more reading on it. And I'm like, man, that is, you know, quantum physics and, and the law of attraction and the power of your thoughts. I think mm -hmm. our thoughts are so much more powerful than we give them credit for. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's interesting because now I think thankfully there's been like a couple decades of people looking into this. So now there is the data that backs it up yes. and it's fascinating when, when you get into the data of it and you're like, Oh wow, there's, you get in the data, which shows that it works. And then you go beyond that into the science that actually explains how it's working. How it's working, and, yes. And then at that point in time, you're like, I can't even, how do you deny it? A, there's data that backs it up. And B, there's science that shows why it works. And Why it works, yeah. yeah. Could, could not agree more. And, and the more I implement some of those principles into my life, the more I see results. So I think uh, reading some books on that topic and really starting to understand the power of your thoughts and, and the power of the law of attraction you know, like you attract, I think so much in your life just through the way that you think. Yeah. A hundred percent. There's a neat reason for that. Um, is so our brains can only kind of process so much information each yes. day. That's why we have habits because it's our brain's way of effectively moving throughout the day and not completely running out of energy. Yeah. So what happens is if your thoughts are aimed at something because you can only decipher so much during the day, your brain will try to find those things and ignore the other things because it yes. can't get everything. And that's why the law of attraction actually works. Completely agree, mm -hmm. right? It's like if you're mm -hmm. buying, you know, you want to buy a certain color car or something, you'll never see that. You never saw that color before. Exactly. But now, you see it now it's everywhere. everywhere. I think it's the same with gratitude and success and, and you know, positivity. Yep. When you start focusing on that, you'll see it more and more yeah. in your life. And you'll yeah. just, it's always been there. You just, it's always you been just there. don't notice yeah. it because you haven't primed your brain to look for it. To look for exactly. it, yeah. No, yeah. couldn't agree more with Freeman. Man, that was a that was a fun, fun little side jaunt to go on. I enjoyed that. Thank you for that. <laughs> that, that was a good, good. tangent. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I appreciated that. The last question I have for people is a bit of a heavy one. Yeah. Um, but and then I want you to try to get it into like a couple sentences. Yeah. But if you could give people like no other information, you could only give people kind of one lesson, I like to call it one lesson to be more successful and to sort of manage the roadblocks that happen. Like what's that one lesson? Just start, just start today. Right. We all make the someday excuse someday. I'm going to start my workout, right? Usually it's next Monday. Someday I'm going to start that business. Someday I'm going to start solving this problem in my business. Someday I'm going to have that conversation with my significant other or my employee or what have you, right? Someday's not a day on the calendar. Why not just mm -hmm. start right now? 
everything in my life, like it's surreal to me, it started with a Google search. When I finally just made the decision to stop making excuses and Google, how do you start a beverage company and look where I am, you know, five years later from that day. So yeah. that would be the, the one big message I would try to get across today is why not just start today? If you want to run a marathon, want to start a business, want to be better dad or wife or mother, what, what have you, why not just start right now? Get off this podcast and just start. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good advice, Mitch. And I would just completely echo that is I encourage like those of you listening, like when this podcast finishes, go and whatever it is that just came into your brain when Mitch was talking, that's the thing that you should start doing. I want you to go and write it down somewhere, like on yeah. a whiteboard, on a piece of paper, just go write that thing down that came to your brain just now and then start doing that thing or at least things that move toward that thing. I think exactly. that's super powerful. And then you do that one, you know, do one thing a day. Yeah. It could take five minutes, like literally five minutes, but you do that over the course of a year, you will shock yourself at how that will compound and your life could be completely different with just that one decision you just made after listening to this. Yeah, no, that's super powerful. Well, thank you so much, Mitch, for, for your time today, for telling us a little bit of your story, giving us some of your insights. There was a ton of stuff in here. I hope that all of you listening had a notebook. If you didn't, Go to the go to the start and write it again, uh, because there was some powerful stuff in here uh, that that Mitch just kind of gave us. So thank you so much, Mitch. I encourage everybody listening go and check out the tea because I have had it before and it's really fascinating. Um, it doesn't leave you feeling kind of gross afterwards. You feel quite refreshed and ready for the rest of the day. So I highly recommend go check out uh, Revita, get the tea. And what kind of, where else can they find information either on you, Mitch, or, or the tea? Yeah. Thanks for you, man. And it's truly an honor to be on the podcast. I think everything that you're doing, man, to make the world a better place, like it's working and, and this is an honor. Yeah. Revita Energy Tea, it's spelled R-V-I-I-T-A. So you can go to Revita, R-V-I-I-T-A.com. We're carried on Amazon as well, most major grocery stores. And then the best way to connect with me is, is on LinkedIn, Mitch Jacobson. And that's Jacobson with a, a E-N. That's where I'm most active. Perfect. And I'm going to drop, there'll be a link to that in the description of this. And I'm going to throw the link to, um, to the Amazon product as well, because Thank I want you. people to find that really quickly and, uh, and get it because I, I truly believe it's a great product that is healthy and it doesn't have that crash and it just makes you feel better. So I want to encourage people to, to go get that. If you've enjoyed this conversation as well, uh, I encourage you to check out the other conversations I've had on here subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and please rate as well that's what helps get this into front of more people so we can get the value we spoke about today into more and more hands so thank you so much everybody for listening thank you so much mitch for your time and just everybody go out there and start doing that thing that you should be doing today thank you thanks freeman it's been a pleasure i really appreciate it thank you mitch